This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 23rd of August 2023 at home in Wicklow. And it is an episode that is focused on the idea of nudity, nakedness, uh, both literally, the physical body, but also emotionally, psychologically, and what being naked means to to the individual what it means in the context of a relationship a friendship and I just go on a bit of a journey um, and I may be covering ground I've covered before but I talk about my relationship with my own body uh, I talk about a little vanity project a vanity goal I have for my next birthday I talk about um, how my attitude to my body got contextualized um, in terms of my relationships and sex. Um, I talk about nudity in other contexts and I have other things to say as well. Um, some personal, some more general. But um, it's all, it you know, ultimately it's all about coming back to a positive sense of self both physically emotionally psychology uh, psychologically i should say and i i yeah i reveal that the the starting point for this conversation came from a strange place and that was listening to um a u2 album their current album and just hearing vulnerability in bono's singing voice and that just got me going on this track of what it means to be stripped back and naked and vulnerable. And I thought it was worth exploring. So you'll find out and you can decide if I've done that successfully or not. Um, it's coming up right around the corner and I will see you there. Cheers. Ooh, not gonna change my mind. Leaving the dream Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to The Clear Out. You're very welcome. I hope this finds you in a good moment. Now let me ask you this. Are you clothed or are you au naturel? Because this is going to be germane to the topic of today's podcast, which I will get to in due course. But I realised the other day yesterday in fact I just had a moment of like oh that just planted a seed for this week's episode and the theme is going to be nudity or being naked and I think that has been a consistent theme of the podcast although I've never expressed it as such but the the mode that I have embraced from episode one is to leave myself exposed and to embrace being exposed and I hope it has never sounded in any way narcissistic or egocentric or vain but rather has been tethered to something that feels open and honest and at times 
vulnerable, but always in the interest of exploring uh, exploring well-being, exploring uh, exploring the aforementioned vulnerability, vulnerability, being honest about my own struggles, my own failings, my own neuroses, anxieties, my own areas of um, personal sort of questing, for want of a better phrase. Um, in the, and, and, you know, in, in the belief that my exploration of that territory um, is of use and is of, of benefit to anyone who might find themselves skirting similar areas of inquiry or similar areas of yeah inquisition self-doubt um anyone who's willing to open those doors um to the unknown uh, or the unresolved and anyone who's willing to put their hand up and go you know what i don't have all the answers um and it's frustrating at times it's frustrating not to have answers it's frustrating not to be able to put a nice bow on things and go that's that that's great that's done i can pack that away now not have to think about it again i find the um this is very much a uh, akin to the 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 nietzschean uh, idea of eternal recurrence i i find myself face to face with my my sh1t to quote my daughter instead of saying shit uh, I find myself face to face with my stuff um, again and again uh, and sometimes that is an intense an intense repetition it's an intense face off with my own crap and I, I mean I shouldn't I mean I shouldn't use words like shit and crap uh, <laughs> because that diminishes um, uh, diminishes the the, the the impact and the import of, of that wrestle um but that is that isn't that is an inclination that i i sometimes have i think that many of us have and the the inclination is to to euphemize our struggles to euphemize our our issues and to to euphemize the the demons that dwell within and it's a way of deflecting and it is a way to diminish and make light of them. And it's a way to leave other people untroubled <laughs> because they're all so considerate <laughs> and that's appropriate. That is, that is actually appropriate a lot of the time. You know, you choose your moment, choose your moment to unburden yourself. And uh, contrary to the impression you might be getting from this intro, I don't unburden myself every single episode on the clear out. Sometimes I don't talk about myself at all. Um, maybe if you're a regular listener, you might go, hold on a second. I'm not sure if that's entirely true. It, it may not be entirely true. I mean, sometimes an episode is very consciously uh, me exploring something that I'm currently you know, concerned with or something that has been occupying a lot of um, bandwidth in my in my brain. But um, but yeah, but look, that is that is fundamentally what I do here on on the podcast. Um, it's an ongoing 
it's an ongoing voyage of I don't want to say discovery but it's an ongoing voyage of exploration and reflection and re-examination um and I, I don't mind that I don't mind that I think I, you know, I have I have a lot of belief in that as a valuable way to go about our business um and to go about the business of life and to go about the business of of living with ourselves um the constant reevaluation that's not that's not rooted in neuroses that's not rooted in insecurity uh quite the contrary um a reevaluation and a reexamination and a reassessment that's rooted in in confidence that it's okay to feel unresolved it's okay to feel agitated um bothered um and upset at times with uh, a sense of things aren't going well and if we can em- embrace the idea of i can look at this with a certain level of confidence and trust that it's not going to undo me that it's not going to leave me helpless to go on that i can face my own stuff and come up with a better understanding than i had before i looked with real honesty before i looked with a really frank gaze um yeah at myself uh, at oneself at your stuff and there are definitely times in our lives when we simply can't go there we simply do not have it in us to deal with our crap to deal with our issues to deal with the the feeling of oh man am i here again <laughs> have i still not managed to escape myself <laughs> um sorry i mean that's that's my frame um so that may not re- you know you may not relate to that but I do I do believe that is the that is the ongoing challenge. I mean, Sartre said hell is other people. But sometimes hell is yourself. Uh and certainly that's that's my experience um of dealing with my own patterns and my own cycles and my own sort of embedded uh responses and reactions and there are times when there's an accumulation of of a pattern that I don't love, a, 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 what I would consider a negative pattern or a pattern that indulges too much of, indulges too many responses that I consider far from optimal um, and indulges responses that allow me to sort of wallow and give in um and embrace embrace a sort of defeatist apathy um which is is um a particularly a particularly disappointing form of resignation (laughs) 
I don't want it but sometimes that's that's all I can muster um, and I try to keep it balanced I try to keep it balanced and not get too down on myself but um, I must say and I mean if if you're if you're a regular listener to the to the to the show or to the tell as I like to call it if you're a regular listener you, you've probably picked up on a bit of a a bit of a trend running over the last few months maybe the last two or three months I feel I've been and I mean I have spoken about this very uh, unambiguously I feel I have been dealing with something I haven't been able to put my finger on and um, that that has been a bit of a, a recurring theme and that's just that's purely personal that's my own my own stuff it's my own internal battle um, and it there has been a sort of a a frequency of of that dynamic um, that I I have to put my hand up and say I've I found it I have I'm finding it challenging and I, I was laughing earlier today I left a message with a friend we were having a bit of a back and forth and I was laughing and saying look this uh, you know because I'm, I'm I I'm turning I'm turning fifty um at the start of next year so that's that's there that's there in the the not too distant future and i was laughing with a friend saying look i can't i can't afford a midlife crisis (laughs) if that's what this is and i don't think it is in all seriousness but i can't i can't afford to go out and buy a sports car i can't afford to leave my wife and pick up some uh, <laughs> some inappropriately youthful uh, younger model um, I'm not I'm not interested I'm not that's not that's not <laughs> that's not where my um, my desperation lies but um, as I say I'm in no position to um, to start I don't know to, to start ticking those boxes and start wearing clothes that belong to younger men <laughs> You know, I tell you what, I, I mentioned vanity earlier. From a vanity point of view, I I do have I, I mean I would like to be in I'd like to be in good shape for my fiftieth. That's it. That's my that's my single vanity goal. I'd like to be in better shape than I am by by my fiftieth birthday. Just to go, look, I'm fifty and I'm in good shape. Now I think objectively and again I'm not I'm not bragging here but like I'm not in bad shape um but I could probably afford I mean I I, I, I'd like to tone up a bit more and that's that is unapologetically vain I just go I want to look good (laughs) for my 50th and then I'd, I'd be very happy to maintain that um but it's a bit like it sometimes it's a bit like me going thinking to myself I'd like to look cool and then there's a big part of me that just goes, oh, I can't be arsed. I just can't be bothered for feck's sake. I'll just wear the same old crap <laughs> that I always wear. That is, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm under no illusions. I'm under no illusions. Um, gone are the days. If there ever were any days when I looked cool. Um, I think whatever that uh, whatever that gene is I've never really had it 
and um, yeah, I I could I could refer I could refer you to an early episode of the podcast, which uh, I occasionally bring this up the the infamous summer of ninety, the summer of ninety, when um, I was listening to Salt and Pepper and Madonna I think like a prayer that album was out that year wasn't it. I was listening to Nana Cherry's Raw Like Sushi. I was listening to Bobby Brown. Um, and I was also taping um, loads of records from the house I was staying in in the summer of 90 in uh, in Michigan, in Grass Lake in Michigan. And my hosts had a fantastic record collection. And so I was recording tapes of the Beatles and the Stones and the Eagles, early Eagles stuff, um, and and the Mills Brothers, <laughs> which my host assured me when I was sixteen, he assured me this is great music for uh, for making love, <laughs> and he didn't he didn't use that particular phrase, it was a bit coarser than that. Um, the Mills Brothers, uh, uh, a group of African American uh, singers, like us, four or five guys singing these, you know, dulcet harmonies. Um, yeah, I used to listen to that album a lot. <laughs> anyway, look, grand. So, yes, where where to begin? I mean, that was the beginning, and. There, as I say, as I say, there's this idea of, of being naked, of being nude. Um, I mean, do we hear those words the same way? He was naked. He was nude. Um, it's, it's a very particular thing. Um, but I suppose what I, I found myself. I found myself just having this moment yesterday and equating nudity and nakedness, not simply with the the physical form of the human body, um, which can be endlessly objectified, which can be endlessly made the the subject of art. Um, I think of whatever classical nudes you may think of models you may think of of movies and how the the naked form is presented in movies um you may just you know you may think of of yourself your own relationship to your body um um we may think of sort of the toxic aspect of the hypersexualization of the the human form the hypersexualization of the female form in particular um that maybe in our in our thoughts in our frame we may be thinking of the the sort of the deluge uh, of pornography and the kind of pornification of of bodies and again female bodies in particular I would argue um, but we may not think of the naked body in terms of of vulnerability 
in terms of frailty, in terms of um, being exposed and the implied, yeah, the implied sort of vulnerability and weakness, perhaps. I mean, weakness is, is, is not really the right word, but our weak spots being exposed, a certain defenselessness in in being naked. And I, I'll tell you the thing that made me think about this. This is funny. Uh, well, you know, I think it's funny. I bought um, a copy of U2's latest album yesterday, uh, which is this um, Songs of Surrender, it's called. It's just released a month or two ago, maybe a bit more. And basically, yeah, I, 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 the way I think of it, having listened to a little bit about it before hearing it, it's sort of a, a pet project within the band. It was something the edge, it seems, uh, something he wanted to do to look at their the back catalogue of, of the band and go, can I can I redo these? Can we redo them? Can we strip them back and make them really bare um, and hear them in a, in a very different way um, without some of those distinctive you two sounds um and so i put it on i was was with my daughter yesterday and i put it on in the car and um i i think i'll have to i'll have to go back and look at it i think the first song is one um and then the you know the first the next one is where the streets have no name and what was really striking was listening to bono's voice and just hearing it without that kind of big sound that the band can make and if you know the original versions of those songs or if you've heard them perform those songs live um just to hear the vocal by itself almost and go oh right yeah there's bono little old bono (laughs) god bless him Little old Bono and his voice. And that was my instant reaction was, oh, right, yeah, he sounds quite vulnerable. There's like a, there's a vulnerability here in just hearing the voice uh, without the Edge's distinctive electric guitar sound, without Larry Mullins' um, kind of martial drumming, which is such a, you know, these are such key aspects of the U2 sound. Um, you know, without Adam Clayton's bass line. Um, and yeah, it was really, you know, really interesting. And I've only listened to the album once um, and I know I'm going to go back to it and, you know, give it a real proper listen. I'll, I'll have it, I'll have it in the car now. So that'll be, that'll be the way I'll be able to do it. Um but it did. It just got me thinking about this idea then of 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 being naked, you know, without without the def- without the defenses that we normally use, without the support of certain I don't know, without the support of certain poses, without the support of certain guises, without the support of certain personas um these sort of protective structures 
that we we put in place to keep ourselves safe um and i think i just think that there's huge there's huge strength and huge power to be had from cultivating a level of comfort with with being naked and yeah that can be that can be a physical thing um i think i've spoken about this on a previous episode of the pod um i was kind of i did an episode about sort of objectification and you know female objectification particularly but spoke about my own relationship with my body um and i certainly remember as a as a young guy and heading you know going into my first sort of sexual relationships i would have felt self-conscious enough about my body um and i certainly would have had certain parts of my body that i was like eh, not crazy about them or that and ultimately i mean it's very simplistic really i suppose on one level you know as a as a a boy or as a teenager adolescent you're doing that sort of uh just a physical comparison with other young guys your 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 peers or other guys you see around and go well you know how do i you know how do i compare to him what's my body like compared to him do i do i match up am i am i better Am I worse? Am I smaller? Am I skinnier? Um, and I mean that would have always been you know, my thing because uh, you know we myself, my brothers, we we're always kind of naturally sort of slim guys. We're not we're not big. Um, you know we would have we would have struggled to you know put weight on. So I was never kind of concerned in in that area. I, I never gave that area much thought at all um you know in terms of you know am i too big or am i overweight um that that that's that's never had to be a feature of my thinking i, I mean maybe until you know relatively recently you know from my sort of mid 40s on um i've seen a sort of a, a change in my body and certainly it's been more difficult to stay lean um which is why, um, as I said earlier, I, I'd, I'd quite like to to tone up a bit more for um, <laughs> for my fiftieth. That's my single goal. I don't really have any other goal. Maybe one other goal, but not not in the not not in the area of physical um, appearance. But um, yeah, I mean, again, if we're, we're you know, I'm not I'm not talking about being attractive. To just go back to the this 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 area of you know as i was getting older growing up um you know i'm still kind of thinking okay this is the body i have how do i compare to my pals when we see each other in our underwear or swimming or you know we're staying the night at each other's houses or whatever um and you know there'd be a lot of sort of oh yeah you know very open sort of examination of bodies is, is my memory um you know myself my male friends 
just you know flex the muscles you know who looks like they're bigger who looks like they're stronger you know what's the chest like what's the stomach like and you know a bit of gentle teasing but often quite supportive of each other is is my memory and you know different friend groups that i had um and then sort of it goes into two frames like one frame is will i be able to you know defend myself protect myself if i find myself in a fight you know do i give off some sort of energy that means i'm less likely to be a target or more likely to be a target of guys you know who might want to attack me could i handle you know taking on those guys you know in the town in the school who are tough and you know um really uncompromising when it comes to you know fighting and whatnot um and that's one frame uh and I suppose you could also put the, the sports frame beside that. Am I a good competitor? Can I outrun this guy? Um, I I wasn't, I didn't do sort of team sports growing up. It wasn't my bag. Um, I was always attracted to the, the kind of solo pursuits. Uh, and that's, you know, that's largely stayed with me. Apart from, uh, apart from a very, uh, I've had a good relationship with football, um, you know, AstroTurf football soccer uh the round ball game as they call it in australia um for quite a few years now i had a bit of a hiatus in australia but i'm back playing regularly um which is yeah a great a great source of enjoyment um but yeah back to the idea of you know the body you put it into those frames the kind of male peer competitive frame you know the how do I measure up frame uh, with my peers and then you go to who am I attracted to and in my case just being straight I was attracted to girls how do girls see me am I attractive to them <laughs> I know I want to be <laughs> and you know you, you, you're kind of tentatively putting yourself out there um, and I mean, there was no, there was no nudity for a long time, but I was about to say earlier, as I entered into my first sexual relationships, once I got to sort of university age, um, I think my, my interest in the female body and my interest in the, you know, my, my sexual partners and enjoying, enjoying sex, I think that, that, that trumped any concern I had about my physical appearance <laughs> um i was interested in the i mean i was i was interested just in the in the experience in the exchange in in learning um in in in, in giving pleasure receiving pleasure and that was the that was the motivator and i've i've you know i found myself in relationships very quickly uh, I wasn't, I seemed, I, I, you know, not all of my friends, my male friends, very few of them were going into long-term relationships at such a young age, but I just seemed to roll into them very naturally and enjoy the security of, of a monogamous relationship. And the, I think really those, you know, th- those relationships, my first kind of, yeah, sexual relationships were where I kind of stopped looking at myself in a way. Um, 
and just kind of trusted that I was with <laughs> that I was with a safe person that I was with a safe sexual partner um, and you know in a relationship with someone that I was interested in where there was as you know again my memories of, of my relationships where there was you know there was plenty of um, just you know mutual mutual respect and um, you know healthy mutual interest I'm not saying that these were perfect relationships they were very immature in a lot of ways um, but I kind of brought that attitude to to kind of to, to my body with me into all my relationships um, I was never I don't know I wasn't particularly self-conscious from you know after you know from a fairly fairly young age I just kind of was like oh just get on with it like you know what can this body do was my focus rather than what does this body look like um and that's that's largely continued to be my attitude to my own body um and I'm you know I, you know take that you know any any way you like um I, I feel it's a I feel I'm lucky that I have that relationship you know with with my body um and I think I think context is huge here I think context is just huge um and if I stay if you can bear to listen just for another moment or two you know if I stay in the area of relationships and like the context of relationships and sex and relating to someone that way um I think I just I, I just had a lot of trust I just had a lot of trust that I was being regarded if not favorably at least in a forgiving way <laughs> so I think I was bringing I think I was bringing a healthy amount of humility to proceedings um, and just trusting that things would be okay <laughs> and if I'd managed to um persuade or <laughs> convince or secure the 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 affection of of my girlfriend at the time or my partner at the time i just trusted that i just trusted that and went well, okay well this is okay i that's 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 all the approval i need and let's let's proceed from here and i guess i was pretty lucky in my in my in my partners uh, historically that no one was mean because <laughs> you know you hear stories and I mean I've heard stories from my girlfriends uh, from my ex-girlfriends sorry from my ex-girlfriends from my wife of how they were made to feel um, in a negative way like how they were made to feel bad about their bodies from comments from previous partners ex-boyfriends whatever um, and I know male friends of mine that have had negative experiences um you know with their partners um historically and again it's a bullet i dodged and i'm very grateful um to have done so because of course there's huge vulnerability there's huge vulnerability in in that area um and there's 
you know, there, there's vulnerability in in sex, in my opinion. Um, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not into, you know, into bondage <laughs> or or being. Um, is is it is it is it is a male dominant? Is that a dominatrix as well, or is that just a female title? I'm not sure. But you know, you have the idea of you know, you know, being a dominant and being a submissive in 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 bondage. Um, that's yeah, that's never been my bag. Um, but there is, I think, there is vulnerability in you know in in that in that specific area um <laughs> you can hear me faltering here i didn't realize i was going to go go down this road that wasn't really my intention but anyway look it is what it is and that that you know i go back to what i said moments ago about the idea of context so nudity has a context and you know my experience growing up and seeing my parents uh, naked you know bath times and whatnot um there was there seemed to be a fairly you know relaxed attitude um to nudity i've certainly continued that um as a parent myself um but i also i mean i have a long history as well and it's not you know my wife would probably you know roll her eyes and just <laughs> call me an exhibitionist um but I think I've always had a sort of a an impulse if there's an opportunity for the the comic impact of nudity I've always been alive to that um that possibility uh and last week for example beautiful sunny day I picked my daughter up from a play date I was coming home after work and I said to her my goodness what a beautiful afternoon I mean this is just a, it's a great afternoon I think for uh running naked in the garden and um see my daughter sort of looking at me sideways from the passenger seat going oh yeah (laughs) and I was just kind of playing with that idea and sort of teasing her and um, ultimately we we got home and she was yeah it kind of became a dare she said you wouldn't do that I said do you think I wouldn't she said I dare you and so um, so yeah I did I stripped off and ran around the garden naked, uh, which my daughter thought was absolutely hilarious. Um, and she was frantically reaching for the, the water pistol. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was, I was following an impulse and I don't know if in late, later in life, if my daughter will go, holy hell, what, what was that? Um, <laughs> I, I, again, trust I trusted the moment and I went with it and that was grand. Um, But yeah, it's, um, you know, context is the thing. And, you know, I was thinking about it earlier, the, just this idea of, you know, know, what do we think of? Like, what do we think of when we think of, you know, being, you know, of, of nude and naked, those words. And, I was asking myself that question and I got images in my head from classical art. I was thinking of The Birth of Venus by Botticelli. I was thinking of Michelangelo's David. I was thinking of various uh, classical iterations of Adam and Eve, um, maybe Klimt, maybe Egon Schiele, uh, you know, some of these great artists. 
um, and then you accelerate into you know moving image and you accelerate into movies and you think of the you know the the, the naked body and and the female form of course features so much more heavily uh, than the male form in movies and it's it's still it still seems to be a taboo in in certainly in american movies it seems to be a taboo to show full frontal male nudity um so there's been a kind of a, a disproportionate kind of fetishization and objectification of the female body but again there's context so when we see naked bodies in in movies there's a, a context and um I, mean, I spoke i was speaking last week about jennifer lawrence in no hard feelings i mean she has a nude scene in no hard feelings that's played purely for comedy and it's very effective um and, and it works in the context of the scene it, it you know it it works and it's not it's not sexualized at all in fact um so it doesn't feel like the camera's you know leering at her are lingering over her form um but if you take another jennifer lawrence movie which i spoke about uh, maybe a year ago i was talking about you know, fem- you know what feminists and what feminism looks like in movies in the the thriller red sparrow she has a few nude scenes um and one of them is just very frank uh very kind of cold setup and cold kind of uh palette and it's just about her power and her defiance and her aggression and it's in the context of uh in the context of the story it's a a moment of her confronting a fellow um spy in training these so-called sparrows who are trained um, in the arts of seduction as a key as a key sort of weapon in their arsenal of espionage um and taking down uh enemy agents or enemy uh you know subjects so you know then you know so that they're very different contexts um you think of i don't know maybe maybe sharon stone in in basic instinct and you know the, the infamous interrogation scene where there is for the briefest of moments a glimpse of her naked crotch while she's been interrogated in a room of sweaty um you know cops and she you know the story goes um paul verhoven the director didn't tell her he was going to shoot her from that angle um and again you know you have to well i i think i i'd take a dim view of that but Sharon stone like when she saw the first cut apparently she uh slapped verhoven in the face um she was so angry with him but subsequently decided to allow it stay in the movie because in the context of the movie it seemed to be appropriate for her character who again very sexually aggressive this sort of femme fatale and you know it's, it's actually i mean look again in whatever you think of the movie it works really well in its own terms you know sort of the 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 definitive erotic thriller and Sharon Stone's great I mean I think Sharon Stone's a really good actress and she's great in that um but yeah but nudity again 
and I'm not I'm not going to sit here and just go through a list of, um, you know, a list of Hollywood actresses, you know, when and when they've stripped off and the nature of each scene, um, but it's that's a very particular context when we see nudity in films it's a very particular context and the question to ask ourselves is you know what's the what's the object here you know what's what's the function of this nudity what's the purpose of this nudity what's it trying to do for us what's it doing for the plot or do we have a sense of this just being gratuitous do we have a sense of this just being something purely for the director's pleasure is it just a very indulgent yes male gaze um i mean i could refer you to stanley kubrick's eyes wide shut which i rewatched recently um my memory of eyes wide shut was i enjoyed it i enjoyed sydney pollock's performance i enjoyed tom cruise's performance when i first saw it um which is like whatever came out in 99 I think um, I felt like great empathy for Tom Cruise's agonised husband who finds out that his wife has had fantasies about a naval officer and it's you know threatening the stability of their marriage and he goes off on this night of sort of reckless abandon and ends up in this kind of Jeffrey Epstein style orgy for rich people Um and I remember at the time there was a mixed response to it. Uh, my wife, uh, <laughs> she's kind of pretty scathing about Stanley Kubrick. And it might be just on the basis of Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, I like Stanley Kubrick's movies, I think. Yeah, I don't think, um, I don't think there's a, a, much of an argument that would deny him his, his status as one of the all-time greats. But Eyes Wide Shut um yeah there's there's just sort of an endless array of of naked female bodies in different contexts um and i just found myself kind of going well, i don't know i, I just I, I i wasn't i wasn't that engaged and i didn't this second this recent time of watching it i didn't really enjoy the acting I particularly didn't really enjoy Tom Cruise's performance I thought Nicole Kidman was interesting um just her her sort of intelligence and her very kind of sensual sexual quality as a, an actress um she had a real sort of vitality and vibrancy I think when she was a younger actress something I think she's lost in recent years um maybe not just recent years there's something just i found in her performances or her acting maybe in the latter part of her career just a little bit too cold and a little bit too held she seemed freer as an actress when she was younger and there was a bit more abandon um and i don't know something unpredictable in her performances which i really liked something fierier um maybe that was just youth i don't know but yeah so to return to the idea then of context and nudity in context um 
you have my my comic my hilarious jape running nude in the garden um i mean it's just absurd and silly and stupid and yeah i should just be laughed at that that, that was the object um i know there's a friend of my wife's uh who anytime the jehovah witnesses came to the door and, and this guy is a, a devout christian um he'd strip off and open the door naked and go yeah yeah come on in <laughs> tell me all about it and they'd um they turn away and go that's no, okay we'll we'll come back another time when it's it's more convenient um but i don't know i i mentioned i mentioned last week or the week before i've been listening to this podcast um a narrative podcast on the big picture the big picture is the name of the podcast and they're doing a particular they're doing a, a series at the moment on on vietnam the vietnam war as told through american movies and looking at it through this sort of uh well through various lenses but like you know an imperialist american lens this sort of uh, counter-cultural lens um the kind of you know wake up to the reality of the war lens a very jingoistic 80s lens lots of different lenses um and the 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 Milai, is it Milai, melee massacre um or there's a there's that famous image of the the vietnamese child you know crying and walking naked down a vietnamese road after um, a napalm attack i think is, is that the correct context but there you've got nudity again and, and it, it, it's chilling and disturbing and it's a it's kind of like a, a universal image of of the sort of barbarity of war and and the the innocence of so many victims um and again we're you know it, it provides a context that makes us reflect on well you know what is this thing what is it to be naked and if we can only associate nudity with with sex or with objectification in a very sort of prurient um way it's it, you know it, it it's it's a failure of of the imagination and i suppose that would be that would be an area of concern for um maybe how young men today with the this kind of saturation like they're, they're kind of drowning in porn and i think there's definitely a trap there in terms of they can only see women um in that context um and then again i'm not trying to throw any shade on 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 sex workers or porn stars porn performers but i guess sometimes those bodies are massively augmented uh through cosmetic surgery and whatnot and that creates its own issue its own problem um in terms of like what you know what does a body look like what's a what's a real body what's an authentic body um and you know just before pressing record tonight i was looking at you know various you know images online um some of that art i mentioned and i noticed there was a an article in the magazine women's health and it was like 40 celebrities 
uh, you know female celebrities pose nude in the you know in the name of body positivity and you know it was striking to me and okay I had to remind myself okay oh this is women's health it's a women's health magazine but all of the women had very um very conventionally uh healthy bodies like very conventionally shaped formed bodies uh a lot of them were athletes personal trainers um there was one woman who was larger um and that she was the only one out of 40 um and in fact it was more than 40 because one of those images was i think four or five members of the england women's rugby team um and I was looking at them going, wow, I wish I had, <laughs> I wish I had a body like theirs. <laughs> one, one of the women was particularly, um, you know, strong and muscular looking. But yeah, 39 out of the 40 photos, it was women in really good shape, um, mostly in their, uh, you know, 30s. And um, I think the eldest, oldest one there was it maybe 45. But, um, and also... I don't know, I mean, about Photoshop, but everybody looked really sort of, you know, had an amazing sort of sheen and tone and complexion. Um, and I was like, well, this is, you know, aesthetically, these bodies look amazing. But how real are they in terms of this idea of, you know, body positivity and real bodies? Um, and would those again i'm not throwing shade on the women who chose to participate they are you know they're naked so that you know that is its own um challenge it's its own achievement um and its own risk um but sometimes photography of course uh you know what you can do now with photography and how you can make someone look better it's um again it's 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 cultivating something in 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 our in our collective gaze in what we see and it plays with our expectations and it plays with our perceptions and i think we have to ask ourselves and you know and i i, I certainly feel i don't know how often i see authentic bodies um in 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 the media um not really and you know it's not that I'm seeking them out I mean maybe now that I'm talking about it I'll go and seek them out but it's um, you know it's funny I was doing that show at the start of the year the the show Manifest with Broken Talkers Theatre Company and I end up uh, half naked in that show um, I mean there's a partial uh, you know moment of partial nudity not full nudity we, we were in our underwear but like three of us in the cast stripped down to our jocks our underwear to to change from one costume to another um, but I ended up in the show just in my you know my, my karate bottoms my karate pants um, and I know my friend uh, you know Phelan Cannon the, who's the you know was in the show but also co-artistic director of Broken Talkers with Gary Keegan and it was in rehearsals that I was like that at one point and he said oh you know would you mind you know could you would you do that in the show um because you just you know his words not mine but you know you just look like a man <laughs> and you kind of go uh, yeah duh of course um but 
that's you know i mean i just took that as you know something that was very affirmative and certainly in service of the show and in service of what we're trying to represent um i could see the function of that i could see how that just made sense so again you know a context um and not me trying to be all buff like i didn't suddenly hit the gym i don't ever hit a gym i mean i've basically never hit a gym in my life so anything that i have going on physically it's just from you know the 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 chosen sports or forms of exercise that i have done and do um but yeah i'm not sure where that was going um oh yeah authentic bodies so (laughs) i have an authentic body and i don't know the I mean, ultimately, where I kind of wanted to go with this um, without trying to sort of further explore, you know, any number of other contexts. Uh, I mean, I worked in a hospital for two years as well. So I saw a lot of different bodies um, as uh, in, in my role as a theatre technician um, in, in, in a hospital in Melbourne where I worked for two years. And, you know, over two years, I... I don't think I ever saw what you would call a perfect body. So, you know, what do you make of that? And there were a huge range of bodies, you know, you know, adult bodies. Um, And again, in the, you know, in the context of medical procedures, you know, you know, nudity was not unusual. Um, You know, nothing, (laughs) nothing inappropriate. Um, But, yeah you see the human form and you go yeah bodies are all shapes and sizes um i mean that's a you talk about vulnerability i mean that's a context for vulnerability you know going under the knife for for whatever procedure it might be um and that is you know that is something that you know the mode of you know behavior the mode of care is extremely sensitive thankfully um because yeah, people are you know, extremely vulnerable in, in, in that context. And, you know, everybody has, um, you know, has a role to play there in being, you know, respectful of, of what's happening and assuring that the most vulnerable person in the room, i.e. the patient, feels um, as safe and secure as possible, uh, regardless of, you know, age or gender or whatever. Um, but... To bring it back to, to bring it back to the more figurative idea of nudity, the more figurative idea of being naked. Um, I believe very strongly that being being able to regard ourselves nakedly. And and maybe even more so, I mean, this is, you know, of course, going into the area of relationships. Um, but and this can be romantic relationships, it can be friendships, whatever. But to be able to be truly naked in front of another person, uh, I think it's a great act of, of courage. I think it's a great act of, of trust. Um, 
And if you want to think of it this way, it's you're sort of honouring another person by either presenting yourself to them naked you're honoring the strength of your your friendship your love um and similarly you're honoring them by giving them the space to be naked in front of you and i'm speaking again i'm speaking figuratively here i'm not speaking literally and you know i've kind of covered that terrain and i feel that way about that in a romantic sense as well to give someone the space to be naked in front of you physically. I mean, that was always, I think that was a great thrill to me as a, as a young man going into those, you know, early relationships I spoke about and, you know, the trust and excitement of that um, and the fun of that, uh, not just the, not just the area of sexual desire and satisfaction um, or gratification, but to yeah to come back to the the figurative idea to go this is how i am this is who i am right now that you know that in a way is far more courageous and it's a much higher level of of vulnerability um or it can be you know for 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 for, for many people i'm sure um you know and i'd certainly say again in the spirit of you know what i try to do here on the podcast um you know i've i've alluded to various times and sometimes i've spoken a bit more explicitly about it but like you know after however long i've been you know with my wife 22 years 23 years you know there's you know there's a there's a i've what i've alluded to is you know this hasn't been the easiest time in our relationship for various reasons um, and kind of accumulative reasons over some time. And the it, it, it becomes very difficult. It becomes very difficult to be truly open and truly vulnerable with someone when there's conflict. Um, and that, you know, that, that comes at a cost. There's a price to that. Um, and there's a loss of there's a loss of trust and there's a loss of trust on an individual level you don't trust yourself to be fully open because you don't trust that you're going to get the the response you hope you know you hope will be there or you don't trust that the the space is going to be receptive and and it goes both ways because as you cover yourself up and again figuratively speaking as you cover yourself up, you know, you're not giving as much of yourself. And so the other person is aware of that as well. And so there's a gradual, you know, there's a gradual covering up. And that breakdown of of, of trust means there's less openness, there's less vulnerability. And I mean, and this is something I learned years ago or felt I instinctively, well, not instinctively, I, I sort of came to the understanding that um you know when, when we when we cover ourselves up and when we have barriers up it's you know it, it forbids the transmission of love it forbids the transmission of energy you can't send something out but nor can you receive something and it's 
you know, it's been my conviction over over the over the years that you know for a relationship to truly thrive um the barriers have to come down and you know if, if i bring it back to the individual experience and our relationship with ourselves my relationship with myself i think we're, we're, we're very good at putting up barriers <laughs> we're very good at putting up barriers and little kind of creating little kind of blind spots you know we build little walls and go ah, i don't really want to look at that so I'm just going to build that wall, which means I'm just going to turn my gaze this way. I'm going to turn my gaze that way. And then, eh, that's grand. I don't have to deal with that now. And it's habitual. It's very, um, it's very much in the service of self-preservation. It's very much in the service of staying in a comfortable place. And it's ultimately, you know... It, I think ultimately it becomes a disservice to ourselves because it facilitates a certain amount of denial. It facilitates a certain amount of delusion. And yeah, I think on a temporary basis, I don't have a problem with that. I think it's necessary sometimes to just sort of bide our time and go, I'm not really ready to deal with that. I just can't quite handle it. And I think you can own that position, which is healthy. Um, not only is it healthy, I think it's important to go, I, I just don't have it. I don't have it at the moment. I can't face that fight. It's too much and my resources are are too few. Um, and I think that's, that's good decision making. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at myself because I'm hitting my daughter with this concept at the, you know, at the moment. <laughs> good decision making. And uh, she's hilarious. She just rolls her eyes and go, "Oh no, is this going to be another? Is this going to be another speech? Are you going to be talking for a long time?" Or I'll get to the end of my little lecture, and she'll go, "I stopped listening, and I, I don't know what you were talking about." She's brilliant, and I'm very lucky to have her in my life. <laughs> there's a there's a nakedness to her truth, <laughs> which is, <coughs> excuse me, sorry which is very refreshing. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I think that sort of nakedness that I was talking about before, which is, which I think is fundamentally, you know, it's, it's, it's emotional and maybe it's intellectual as well. Maybe, you know, it's, it's, it's psychological and it's emotional. Um, and it, it's a lot of work takes a lot of work and a lot of courage um and a lot of a lot of a sort of a deep trust in ourselves that we can handle it that we can handle that examination of ourselves um that's i mean that's that's how i feel about it anyway um yeah so anyway look I think, um, I mean, I think ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm sharing my own stuff. I'm sharing my own kind of views here, obviously, but I am, you know, there's, there's always, there's always an, an element of advocacy here. And if you're receptive, <laughs> if you're picking up what I'm putting down, I am advocating that, that, that idea, 
can you can you look at yourself naked um because i think the the outcome is if you can i think the outcome is you've a greater sense of what you're dealing with you know yourself and that i believe that equips us to get on with stuff in a more functional way it equips us to get on with stuff with a greater sense of personal well-being and it sort of girds our loins um to to take on other challenges and to to take on those challenges that live just outside us um which is our other relationships which is our you know everything out there in the big bad world um and i mean ultimately i think we you know we have to get on with it we have to get out there and get on with facing those challenges i don't think i don't think hiding ourselves away is 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 a viable option um not on a long-term basis uh you know there's a good life to be had always and i mean and this is my counsel to myself as well there's a good life to be had so you know get your ass out the door and face it um it's gonna you know there are times when it may be more than you feel you can handle um but you will get there you will get there and um you'll be better for the experience and you'll be in your own power more um and you know you come back to that naked body and i mean i have this conversation with my daughter when i hear her making comments about bodies um she was very funny do you remember last year i was talking about beyonce i had this i did an episode on beyonce and marilyn monroe and the female form and um you know putting it into a context of my wife's attitudes to those bodies and images and to beyonce and marilyn monroe her concerns for how my daughter sees those you know iconic figures um and i was trying to kind of square it up in terms of the sort of clash of parenting styles what each of us are comfortable with and how we relay that stuff to our daughter but just um i think it was just yesterday uh it seems to come from nowhere uh, my daughter was talking about beyonce <laughs> And had this image in her head from last year when Beyonce was promoting a new album where she was on this kind of, you know, Diamante horse, um, you know, and clad in various bits of glitter and, you know, diamonds herself. Um, And my daughter was talking about Beyonce's basketball-sized boobs. And I was like, I don't think they're the size of basketballs. (laughs) But um, I was just saying... You know that, that that's one example, but I was just saying to my daughter, and I, you know, this is a recurring theme at the moment. I kind of go, look, it's just they're just bodies. It's just a human body, and human bodies come in all shapes and sizes. And I try not to over interrogate her, but I just try to keep kind of planting that seed. Like bodies are what they are, 
um, and to sort of again maybe plant some seeds of just body acceptance body tolerance body positivity in you know in her own in her brain um so hopefully she'll travel that road relatively safely herself in in the coming years um okay i think i'll leave it there so um yeah embrace it i mean it is what it is we are who we are um look at that look at that body look at yourself in different contexts um or just tell me to to shut up and put some clothes on that's that's the other choice isn't it okay thanks for listening i hope um i hope this took you somewhere um i hope entertained stimulated diverted amused irritated do i want you to be irritated i don't really i don't want to irritate you but um yeah i hope um i hope it was a nice <laughs> i hope it was a nice ride uh, to use an irishism that might not be entirely appropriate i will be back next week with something else you can throw me love on social media there will be links wherever you're listening to this i'm there in all the usual places so you can give me a shout out leave a comment leave a reaction you can uh you know like subscribe rate i think i believe that helps the the profile of the of these podcasts but um yeah whatever just if you're enjoying it spread the word and if you're really enjoying it and feel you can afford it you can support me uh support this independent podcast on patreon.com forward slash the clear out and anything you choose to give would be greatly appreciated if you can't afford it don't worry about it just keep listening keep enjoying and uh, i'll talk to you real soon okay all the best take it easy mind yourselves Bye.